Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. I don't want to be the guy who talks about the old days of walking to school 10 miles uphill all the way in knee-deep snow wearing bare feet, you know, the old man story. But somehow it seems to be relevant today because there is a battle going on right now between the Catholic School Board and some parents in Stony Creek, parents of, of Bishop Ryan Secondary School, high school kids. And a number of parents have been told that uh, they live apparently about three kilometers from the school. And they've been told that they will no longer, their kids will no longer be getting busing due to a persistent driver shortage, among other things. Uh, there's no longer drivers available, so their kids will be walking to school. And these parents are not happy about this. And they say, look, it's a, it's a three kilometer walk. It'll take 30 to 38 minutes and you've got to cross some intersections that are busy and there's no city buses and even if there were why should we have to pay a hundred dollars a month for this i want to know what you think because i'll tell you what when i heard this I, I i must admit i was a little bit stunned we're not talking about toddlers going to kindergarten we're talking about people who are high school students and apparently they're not allowed to walk 30 minutes to school somehow and cross intersections because why i mean am i missing something now help me out here 905-645-3221 star 9900 i just don't understand this story now again i don't want to pull the old man routine here but when i went to school from grade five on. Now I was living in Toronto at the time, but I took the TTC. I had to walk about a kilometer and a half to the bus stop. Then I got onto the bus. Then I got onto the subway. Then I got onto another bus. Then I had to walk another half a kilometer to school. And I did that from when I was in grade five. And I don't think that I'm unique. I think there's a lot of people who walked a fair way to school or rode their bike. You know what today is, by the way? How appropriate. Today is National Bike to School Day. What am I missing here? What is the problem with high school kids getting up, walking to school, getting some exercise, getting some fresh air, getting some of their energy out before they arrive at school so they're not going to be a distraction? No, I'm not saying these particular kids who whose parents are arguing this are troublemakers. I don't mean that, but just in general, People who are in high school, they have energy. What, where's the where's the problem here? I, I'm I'm having a hard time with this story, and I'll tell you what: there are tons of people who are who are taking one side or the other on this one. And I'd love to hear from you, no matter what side you're on. Yeah, I mean, if you believe that if you live more than I don't know a kilometer away, you should be guaranteed a school bus. I want to hear from you. And if you believe that three kilometers is not all that onerous, I want to hear from you. 905-645-3221, star 9900. I, I simply, when I hear this, I cannot get away from the idea of how apparently soft we're making our kids, how incredibly delicate we are turning our little flowers into. Because this is, to, to me, you know, if this was a 10-kilometer walk, 
that's a very different story. That's a very different story. We're talking about a three kilometer walk to go to school. Has anyone not done three kilometers in the last little while while you've been home? I mean, is it is it that onerous even as a as an adult? Some of you are seniors. As a senior, is three kilometers that onerous? As a kid, to me, three kilometers is poof, nothing, nothing. You walk with your friends, you walk with your brother, you walk with your sister. When I used to do that stuff at school when I was a kid, it was part of the social life. It was part of socializing that you had time not in class with your friends. It's Where is the difficulty here? This is, I, I, I'm just not understanding how we've reached a point now where our kids are apparently incapable our kids are apparently incapable of doing something like this. Let me uh, let me go to Karen. Karen joins us on the line now. Karen, how are you, and where do you stand on this one? You know what? This is ridiculous. First of all, I grew up, I was born and raised in uh, Cape Breton, Nova Scotia, and I have siblings down there, so my heart does go down to everybody down there. But Of course. Um. These are wimps. They're either very, very spoiled or very, very lazy. Since when does a teenager not have a bicycle? I walked 20, 20, about 20 minutes to my high school in, in one direction, then 20 minutes back. And if it was raining, I was lucky to get a ride. These guys, but Karen here, Karen, let me jump in for a sec. Because I, when you say these kids are either very lazy or... Uh, whatever. I'm not sure it's the kids spoiled. Uh, or spoiled. I'm not sure it's the kids. And that's the thing. I think that if you told the kids, you've got to walk three kilometers to school, they may grumble at first, but they do it and they'd be fine to do it. I, I think we're talking about parents who are just being a little too careful and too bubble wrapping with their kids. Too careful. They're being very, very overprotective. This is just ridiculous. It's beyond my conception. I, I just... I don't know what's wrong with these kids, and I thank you for Karen, the call. Thanks for the call. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. The story is that there are a number of parents on the Stony Creek Mountain who are upset that the Catholic school board has told their high school children that school buses will not be available come September. And those children, young adults, are now going to have to walk the three kilometers roughly from their home to the school every day. And I'm simply trying to understand this because to me, it doesn't seem all that onerous. To me, walking a few kilometers for a high school kid, an able-bodied from everything I understand, I mean, we're not talking about someone who's missing limbs or, you know, is, is in a wheelchair or something. That's a completely different scenario, completely different scenario. But for an able-bodied, otherwise healthy bunch of kids, what is the possible reason they could not walk three kilometers back and forth to school? And again, I don't want to be the guy who throws out the old days story because I'm not that old. But I did walk a long way to school at times and take buses and everything else. I fail to see how this is any different from what kids did in the past. What's changed? 905-645-3221. Or star nine nine zero zero if you want to get into this one. Tony joins us on the line now. Tony, how are you today? Not too bad. I'm just thinking. Uh, you know, you're talking about how 
unsafe it would be for the kids to uh, walk a, a couple of kilometers to school. If they put the phones away, then maybe they'd see where they were walking and they could cross the streets properly. Well, okay. I mean, look, there's that, Tony. I just, I don't. Walking down the street, they they got a phone in front of their face and they're they're texting texting all the time. Well, that should make the time go faster and the and the walk seem shorter, shouldn't it? If you're if you're distracted. Yeah, but uh, if you're not knowing where you're walking, you're going to walk off the curb or you're going to walk into somebody or. Uh, you're going no, to that. step out into the road and you're uh, going to get hit by a car because you're not paying attention. There's that. But is that a reason to say that because you can't pay attention, if that's the case, that we must then pay for buses to pick you up and drive you because you're not capable? These are these are not grade two students. Tony. These are high school students. I realize that. But the parents don't have control. Put your phone away and go walk to school. Now, I'm not a young chicken. I'm 78. And I just had to go down to McMahon, uh, to uh, Javinsky Hospital for some work done. And I live up on Fennel. I walked from my house down to down to concession. Took me about fifteen minutes. And I walked. If in. you if you can do it, Tony, I'm sure that some fifteen year olds can do it too. Hey, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. All right, thank you. Let me go to John, who is with us. John, how are you today? Very good, sir. How are you today? I'm great. Now, are you someone who would say, let them walk? Or are you saying, no, 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 three kilometers is too far. They deserve to be on a bus. When we were kids, we lived in Ottawa, and the snow came down like crazy. We had to leave two hours for school, five five miles to school. And the OPP used to drive by us, would never pick us up. We had to be at school on time, and there was never a problem. We just did it. That was it. John, I appreciate the call. I, I, don't, I think there's a lot of people who probably have a story like that. Thank you for calling. Here, look, th- this is my point here. Is not the idea that three kilometers is 100 meters. Clearly, those are two different things. It's not like living next door to a school. And by the way, 905-645-3221 or star 9900, you want to get in on this. But for decades and generations, Kids were more than capable of walking to school, sometimes two or three or four or five kilometers. And so where I'm struggling with this, again, I've said it for the third time now, not to be the old man kind of thing. Where I'm struggling with this is why, presumably, are kids today so delicate and so feeble and so inadequate in some way that they can't do what people of previous generations we're able to do quite fine. It may not be the most comfortable thing. It may take some exertion, but is that a is that a bad thing? Is it a bad thing to say, hey, you know what? Our kids are going to get some exercise now before and after school. I think Ben, Ben, you lived, you said, almost three kilometers from your school, right? Yeah, I actually went to Bishop Ryan, and I live three kilometers away from the school. I did the walk, and honestly. It's a lovely walk. You get to go through the conservation area that's there. You get to go through so many cool places, to be completely honest. It is a nice walk. And there's the and they, there's the sidewalks there. It's not like you're walking on the shoulder of Rymel Road. Well, and they said that the parents who are concerned here, and, and to be fair to them, they've said, well, there's three very busy intersections they have to cross. Uh, look, I, I get that. I do hope, though, that if your kids are now going into high school or in high school, they understand how to cross a street. And I know, look, I heaven knows you can have drivers who blow through stop signs or whatever else. Although 
We like to think that doesn't happen that often. But even then, you look both ways before you cross the street. What Tony says, you don't have your head down on your phone. These are not, we are not talking about kids who are in elementary school. If you're in high school, you can walk, in my mind, you can walk three kilometers to school and back. And the idea that we have to provide a bus, we have to find a way for taxpayers to find, to there's always cost, right? So I suppose the option is, well, if you're so insistent that your kids must be on a bus, there's Uber, there's other, uh, but we don't want to pay extra. Nobody wants that. That's the thing. Nobody wants to pay extra. None of us do. You can walk. It's okay. They can walk. Anyway, uh, Radley at 900CHML.com. I would love to hear from you if you have thoughts on this. Would you allow your kids to walk the three kilometers? Would you encourage your kids to walk the three kilometers? Or would you demand a bus? You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900CHML. There is little doubt that it has been difficult at times to find much silver lining in the current financial situation. You have... I think the last number I saw was 2 million Canadians who are trying to take advantage of some sort of government aid because their jobs are lost or their income is down or whatever else. Um, people, if you own a small business, your income could be way, way, way off. You may have had to shut the doors for now. I mean, it, it's it's been tough to find bright sides to almost anything financially with what's going on right now. I mean, that's going to be the case, I would think. That's going to be the expectation when the economy is, by and large, shut down. However, however, lest we only dish out ladles of bad news, there could be some good news in this for some people. How could that be? Well, there are people now noticing that since they're in their house, since they can't go out, since they're not driving to work, since they're not going to the gym, since they're not going to the theater, since they're not dining out, since they're not doing all these things that they used to do quite regularly, they suddenly have a whole lot more money in their pocket. Now, these are people who are still employed, still have their jobs, everything else. Let's make that little caveat. But if you are one of those people, you may be finding that suddenly... A coronavirus for you is turning into a bit of a savings bonanza. Remembering in Sean Moyer, he's a portfolio manager at Mandeville Private Client Incorporated. We love having him on. Uh, Sean, how are you today? Well, any day that it's uh, double digits and the sun is shining, I'm generally in a great mood. So thanks for asking, Scott. Well, there you go. It's, it's, it's a good sign. And as I say, we, you know, it's, it's been pretty bleak and pretty doom and gloom about finances and understandably so for the last number of weeks. But I think, as I say, I think there are some people now who are maybe looking at their bottom line at the end of the month, um, Sean, and saying, you know what, uh, this may be in a weird kind of way, and we're not trying to make light of it or anything, but in a weird kind of way, financially, this may be working for me. Yeah, it's a very interesting time. And the other thing, too, is that data can become quite overwhelming. So like you're saying, you hear numbers such as 2 million people looking for job support in the, in the country right now. But let's reverse that number and take a look at it the other way. Let's say we're a country of somewhere between 36 and 38 million people. If 2 million people are looking for jobs and we take out the seniors and we take out the children, that's still a very, very large number of people, probably 
more than 90% of people who are still employed. So when we're talking about these people who are still earning pretty close to their regular job income, that's still the vast, vast majority of the country. And I don't know about you, but my family, uh, both on my wife's side and on my side, we've been getting together on Sundays for a little conference call just to check in and see how we're doing. And I, I realized something at the third or fourth call that all of us on both sides except for maybe one of us, is still generally full-time employed the same as we were before. But there's also a number of socialites among us, and I sort of heard from them that they actually realized that they had more money during this lockdown than they did at other times because they were not spending as much money. They were not going out as much. They, they were spending a little bit more focused productivity time. And, and so you mentioned it, traveling to work. So many of us spend a lot of money on the upkeep of our vehicles on gasoline, on transit passes, all those sort of things have been reduced. Even some uh, auto insurance companies are providing a little bit of a break on your premiums because you're not driving as often. So make sure you give them a call and, and check and see if you, you qualify for that. But there's little things here and there that, that we're just adding to the bottom line. And the second thing is your mentality during a crisis tends to be one where you, you focus on those things that mean the most to you. And you let those other things sort of fall to the periphery that, that don't mean as much. And then you sort of realize that that also results in a little bit of a net savings to, to your bank account. So there's a whole lot of different factors that can help improve your financial situation during the times like we're going through right now. The lesson to me seems to be uh, a, a lesson about spending uh, and it seems, I'm guessing, that a whole lot of people are seeing what they don't need to spend money on, what they might like to spend money on, because we are a consumer society and we do like to buy things. But I think a lot of people are seeing now that they can't. Well, I can get by without that, and I can get by without that, and I can get by without that. And what I'm wondering, Sean, when this is over, do you expect, as a financial planner, as someone who deals with people their money, do you expect that these little fluffs are going to stick to some sort of Velcro in our brain, or is it going to go right back to where we were now that we're free and able to do it again? Well, I think old habits die hard for certain, but you know, as they talk about when you establish a good habit, it's important to keep at it for at least three or four weeks. And one of the things about the longevity of this lockdown is that these aren't adaptations we're making for our lives for one or two or three weeks. Some of us are now working from home for two months, maybe two and a half months. And so this is real time changing your psyche. And so I think it, it may have an effect on spending in the future. But what we'll try to do as, as financial planners is we'll try to have people remember this time in the future. So do I think people will spend less time traveling or, or spending money on those type of discretionary events? I'm not so certain we will, but what I'd like to have them do is focus on the fact that, you know, at the past, we might give in to our urge to say, oh, you know what, the weather's awful, I want to go down to the Caribbean, or I want to get out somewhere that's different than the snow-laden landscape of, of Canada. But they're generally making those purchases or planning those trips maybe on credit, or maybe they're, they're drawing from a line of credit or, or from a, an emergency savings to do so because they're, they're you know, taking that urge and, and wanting to satisfy it. What we're doing now is we've got excess savings. So I hope that people are adding to their you know, savings accounts. I hope that they're setting money aside for those discretionary purchases that they are likely to return to do so in the future. And then I hope that they realize that purchasing a vacation with savings rather than with credit helps you enjoy the experience that much more because you're not thinking in your mind, hey, I got to go back to work and I got to figure out how I'm going to pay for this vacation. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
lot of people, now that they can't be out of their house, are not spending nearly the amount of money. And if your job has been consistent, and that's a big if, but if you still got your job, if you're still full-time, all the rest, you may find you have a lot more money in your pocket. Uh, Sean Moyer is a portfolio manager at Mandeville Private Client Incorporated. And Sean, just before the break, you were talking about changing habits and how, you know, I was saying, are we going to go right back to our old habits when this thing is over? And you said, well, it takes usually three or four weeks for that to happen. The follow-up question to that though is this, normally when someone goes to change a habit, it is a conscious direct decision that person makes. I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to get in shape. They have made that decision within themselves. We've not made the decision to do this. This decision has been made for us. Does that change, do you think, what happens when we come out of this? Well, I, I think that's a, a very interesting point, because when I think about the times in my life when I've tried to institute change personally, it's when those changes are forced upon me and I'm forced to mm. rise to the occasion that they actually seem to stick a little bit better than the ones that I maybe set at uh, January 1st every every new year. And I think that's interesting about the human spirit is that generally we are adapters and, and that's how we've survived and thrived for so long is that we've been able to to adapt. And that's that's what's really interesting about this situation is that we're we're having a chance to take a look at our lives and, and see what we value a little bit more. And, you know, I take a look at commuting times, you know, being down or eliminated completely. Uh, you take a look at, at the amount of time you're spending with your family. And I think a lot of these things are, are good habits. And if we can move to a society that embraces technology a little bit more, that, that allows for a greater video conferencing for work from home, remote, things like that, I think I think those could be beneficial to society at large from a, a mental health perspective as well. But uh, as we were talking earlier, savings habits have, have also changed during this. And uh, I think that's going to be very important. It's, it's a good time whenever you have quiet time like you, you sort of have when you're working from home or during times of, of crisis to review your own personal financial situation. Check out what you're doing with your particular portfolio. You know, we've had a really excellent uh, recovery in the stock market through April and parts of uh, early May. But what we saw during March was a, a tremendous amount of stress on the financial system. And there was a lot of people with a lot of questions and a lot of concerns. It's important to remember those difficult times so that when you're looking to the future, you say, hey, how much risk do I actually want to put in my portfolio? Or what type of companies, what type of investments held up really well during that time period, because you want to make sure that you add more of those in the future with the excess amount of money that you're saving with your new uh, new habits that you're establishing during this time period. We have a couple minutes left. And uh, let me go to this, because clearly there are advantages. There are benefits individually to you, to me, to whomever who suddenly finds we don't have to spend as much money. We can save a little more money. Maybe we can invest some more money, whatever it is. But we also have the greater economy that we have to look after. We don't want everybody to suddenly not spend any money because then we may be okay, but the economy as a whole suffers. So where's the balance? How do we how do we get back into spending again without getting back into the same kind of spending again that we did? Yeah, that's a great point, Scott. There's definitely a negative correlation between a country's savings rate and the GDP that tends to come from that. But I think that we also have to remember that we went through decades and decades of pulling forward spending by taking on additional debt to satisfy our discretionary spending. So realigning our mentality and not taking on debt for undue purchases, it may be negative to the economy in the short term, but it could end up providing a more stable economy in the future. And part of what's happening with this 
coronavirus type of experiment of working from home and having government support is that in a way we're transferring private debt into public debt. And we're seeing that both with economies um, around the world and, and global companies, but we're also seeing that on a bit of a personal level. In the past during crisis, when you might lose your job or when you might be laid off for a period of time, you might have had to have drawn on your own savings or accumulated your own personal debt. In this case, the government is taking on debt in order to provide support programs for individuals to survive through these periods or to have income through, the, through these periods. The same way that businesses are being helped out with loans or with short-term relief programs. So it's a very interesting time in that we haven't really seen that much transference of, of private debt to public debt in the past. So as to how that's going to work out with the economy in the future, it will be really interesting to see. And it, it's definitely going to be different than I think past economic recoveries have been. Sean Moyer, always love having you on. Thanks for taking the time today. Yeah, my pleasure, Scott. Take, take care and uh, stay healthy. Yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, look, it's a really interesting position that we're in right now because we are a spend culture. We do like to spend. We do like to buy. We do like to go out and shop. I mean, we, look, I'm not saying anything everybody doesn't know, but now that you can't, I'm going to be fascinated. I think a lot of other people are too, to see how much of this does, as Sean says, how much of this does stick because we've suddenly learned that we can do this. And how much of this do we just say, ah, I didn't want to really stop spending in the first place. So once we're back at it, ah, open the stores, open the restaurants. And, and again, look, we don't want the restaurants to be suffering. We don't want the stores to be suffering. It's a real interesting balancing act. But I've learned, and maybe you have too, I've learned there are some things that I was spending money on that I can do just fine without. Hey, I'm, I'm not minding getting seven weeks to a gallon in my car right now. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.